This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association of professionals in parking, transportation, and mobility. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is Vicki Pirro, principal with the Marlin Group. Good afternoon, Vicki. How are you doing today? I'm great, Isaiah. It's nice to talk to you. So I saw this SPHR credential. So I'm assuming that's something with human resources, the HR being human resources. What exactly is that credential? Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, it actually stands for Senior Professional in, in Human Resources. And it's a credential uh, very similar to the CAP, I would say, but, but very specific to the HR world. You know, obviously, education is very important to you. I know you're on the education committee at IPMI um, and also National Parking Association, MPA. Why is this important to you? You know, I think that it's really something that elevates our industry. I think it brings a level of professionalism and just a quality to, to our industry to invest in education and, and have some consistency in terms of practices um, across the industry. And when you think about people within our industry, it allows everyone the opportunity to build new skills, advance in their careers, which ultimately helps us to retain professionals in our industry. And I think that's, that's really good for us. So that old adage, you know, do what you do what you love, I think seems to ring true here because you were in the private world, you're working for same parking companies I've worked for over the years. You've been involved in human resources, education, like we just talked about, organizational development, and you decided, look, I can do this. So tell us about that. Tell us about the, the step into the entrepreneurial world to start the Marlin Group. Sure. So, you know, to be honest, it, it really began as when I was a kid. I grew up in a family business, and so I always had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit in my blood. And I always knew that someday I wanted to have my own business. So my business partner, Colleen Nice and I, we were both working for a company at the time. And uh, we were just at a point where the company had gone through a sale process and it was just a good opportunity for us to leave that organization. And, and we had had conversations here and there about um, opportunities um, in the industry to do something on our own. And it just seemed like the right time to do it then back in 2011. And we really felt like there was a need for what we do in the industry. There are a lot of small to medium-sized businesses in the, uh, in the parking industry who can use the help of folks like us, um, but maybe don't need to have people like us inside the, the walls of their organizations on a day-in and day-out basis. And so, yeah, we decided to go. For and tell us about the name. So at first I was thinking... It's Maryland, then I thought it was Marlin, then you think it's a fish, but it's a lot more simpler than that, isn't isn't it your middle names combined? That's right, that's right. Yes. So Colleen's middle name is Marie and my my middle name is Lynn. And and that is how we came up with the name. But all of those other possibilities that you just listed have have certainly uh, been suggested to us over the years. <laughs> oh, that's great. It was a big mystery, and then you told me and I was a little disappointed, but great name nonetheless. <laughs> Doesn't live up to the hype. No, it's great. So what would you say, I guess, your primary focus or niche or what, what's your primary focus where people would want to contact you for? Yeah, so we do um, work in, in corporate and executive recruiting. We also do management consulting work. And here most recently, 
we are uh, launching a new monthly Parker billing solution called Zephyr. So we, we get into a few different things in the industry. Yeah. So tell us about that. So I, I read about that. I know we talked about that. I'm pretty intrigued. Tell us about this new solution. Yeah. So Zephyr is, uh, is what it's called. And it's a monthly Parker billing solution. And it really puts the monthly Parker in the driver's seat. We've really given a lot of thought to making that monthly Parker experience more Parker friendly. And so Parkers can manage their complete life cycle of their accounts through the solution and have lots of other features that make it uh, very user friendly for parking companies as well. Great. So I know we use different systems out there, but you have the the aging and the billing process, but you kind of took that to the next level by providing the customers more more ways to interact. So they can, I'm assuming they what they log in, they can update their address, update their billing preferences, update their parking privileges. Is that kind of how it works? That's right. Yes. And they can manage, you know, their accounts across multiple locations. It's not that one-to-one uh, connection anymore. You know, depending on the location where they park, the uh, the system is integrated with the park system. So they don't have to go through all those those hassles of, you know, the activation, the deactivation. And yeah, makes it, it makes everything a lot more convenient for them and, and then more efficient on the operator side and lots more information available in terms of reporting as well. And how you guys plan to kind of grow that? Is it like, or sell it? Is it a kind of a license per location fee or how's that work? Yeah, it's on, a, it's on a per uh, Parker fee basis. And, you know, we're, we're really working primarily with, with parking operators, private parking management companies. And even building the solution, we had subject matter experts from around the country, you know, small and large organizations giving us their feedback on what would work best for them. And we're, we're really officially launching Zephyr at the NPA show in October, towards the end of October. And we've already got uh, some customers committed that uh, we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about here very soon. That, that's really kind of our intention at this point as far as how we, how we plan to grow it. That's pretty cool. So check out their their booth at the MPA show to learn more. So speaking of trade shows, you presented at the Pi conference recently, and you talked about different hiring best practices. And I thought that'd be a great topic, something we want to talk about on the podcast. So I had a boss tell me once you should spend 10% of your day looking for or hiring top talent. I thought that was a lot. But then as I've grown kind of in my executive roles, I realized how important that is building your team and Maybe you don't have a position open, but you should still be searching and finding out who that top talent is and, and getting them in your network and having those communications because the world moves pretty fast now with, with hiring. So I guess talk about just the importance of talent ac- acquisition. You talk about the shift from uh, recruiting to more of a talent acquisition in your presentation. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. And I really think that the difference between recruitment and talent acquisition it's all about your mindset and then the tactics that follow in terms of how you go about trying to fill open positions uh, within your organization. And, you know, recruitment is more of a passive administrative type of task or uh, responsibility, whereas talent acquisition is active. You're, you're seeking out talent that aligns with the abilities that you need for a particular role, you know, cultural fit within your organization. And, and really trying to find that balance between the needs that the organization has as well as those needs for candidates. Very well said. And I, I agree with you totally there. But let's talk about frontline staff. So, you know, a lot of cities are facing budget deficits and, uh, or maybe they outsource and private 
operators are having to pay lower lower wages to compete and it's getting harder and harder for organizations in almost every segment airport municipal university to hire frontline staff so i guess do you have some tips or just some things that you recommend for recruiting and retaining frontline employees uh, so I, I do. I really think it's all about, um, you know, creating that win-win between employers and employees. And when I think specifically about hourly uh, workforce recruitment in our in our industry, I think this is one of the the biggest pain points and challenges for hiring managers, not only hiring but retaining people. And so when I think about that, and back to the win-win idea. I think it's all about just meeting those candidates where they're at. So speed is key uh, because uh, when you're in the hourly workforce and you're looking for a, a, a new job, you need that job now. And so to be able to attract the best talent, you need to be able to move quickly because otherwise somebody else is, is going to uh, take them off the market, if you will. And I also think, you know, being creative, what are those things that you can do beyond just the, uh, the pay grade for the role that might make it more attractive to potential candidates and appealing to, you know, work within your organization? As we get further into thinking about the, the entire employee life cycle and retention, having a really well thought out and planned onboarding process makes a big difference. There's, there are statistics that would prove out that you'll lose more employees in the first 30 days on the job if you don't have a really strong onboarding process than, than you will over the remainder of that first year if, if people get through that, that first 30 days. Um, and a lot of that just is because you know, people are stressed out, they're not really sure what's expected of them, and, and so they move on, they find something else. And then you, know, you carry on in further into the employee life cycle and you get into things like training and development you know, building skills within your current role, but also seeing a path for the future. Employee recognition, are you appreciating people for the things that they're doing? And then certainly providing support as well, uh, supporting people in their roles, giving them the tools that they need to be successful, you know, having, uh, having their back when there might be a difficult moment, things like that. Yeah, I think, man, you're spot on. I, I, I see this firsthand. I think what you said to recap just speed you know like you said a lot of these employees are are living paycheck to paycheck and when you when you have an interview and then you're you know want to have a second interview and then you got to do the background check and then hey we're having a job fair can you come back you know it's just they're they're going to find another job that can move quicker and they're going to take that job so speed the onboarding and then the the training the path we've had one organization where i think it was hard to get in the police academy and a lot of people would actually apply for parking enforcement officers uh, because it actually the city encouraged it looked good on their on their resume you know they they were the parking or special police officers they call them parking enforcement officers they do that for a few years while applying for the police academy throughout so we we would work at the police hey could you provide specialized training can you uh, come in and do this can you give tips on how to get in the police academy just so they could see what you said that path that that uh, that training and that path to to move forward and i guess one thing i want to talk to you too is just the different uh, generational i guess workforces the Gen Xer, they talk about, they look for flexibility. I, I can't agree more. It's, you know, you got to pick up kids from, from, from school. You got to take the dog to daycare. You have, you want to have that flexibility to work from home or do things, be able to work from the coffee shop. That's very important. I think now with the generation, generation Y, the millennials, generation Z, it's about that sense of purpose. And, you know, I thought 
it's hard to explain that in, in a parking role, but it really isn't. Once we once we did it, it actually really did help. Just saying, you're not out there writing parking tickets to to make more money for the city. You know, you're out there to traffic control to create that turnover, put money back into the city. Following, you know, Shoop's three point plan there. But when they realized they had that sense of purpose, it's very important to that generation, and it really helped retain employees, in my opinion. But I don't know if you have any tips on kind of managing the different generational workforces uh, to better retain and attract those types of employees. Yeah, you know, and I think in in a lot of ways you you hit the nail on the head there um, because you know what comes to mind to me for me is that that people they like to understand kind of where they fit in um, and and when you think about just having that sense of purpose not just mindlessly completing tasks on a day in and day out basis but you know how does it ultimately contribute to what the organization is trying to do and so that's that's the big one for me is just connecting work to the bigger picture and that really just comes down to communication having regular communication with all levels uh, within your organization as far as you know what that person is doing and how it connects to the ultimate mission of the organization and then you know providing support that's that's again another big one that people feel like they have they're they're part of something bigger and and that their leaders are are going to be there to uh, to support them through the challenges that they're going to face with the, within the organization and then i would say you know also back to the creativity piece a little bit you know being involved in the community are there ways to to do that and and to allow employees an opportunity to do that things that are important to them as well and and then fulfill kind of that uh, that sense of purpose yeah, well said, well said. And I, one other thing in your presentation I want to touch on is you talked about employee referral program. Tell us, uh, break it down first. Do they work, employee referral programs, or do they not work? They absolutely work. I actually think that employee referral programs can be one of the most effective tools that you can use in your talent acquisition strategy. And I think sometimes employers get discouraged by employee referral programs because they don't yield necessarily a high volume of candidates. But what you'll find if you look at the data is that typically you will hire more of those referrals, like the ratio of applicants to hires from an employer referral program will be higher than just a general off the street, you know, application process. And so I'm a very big, big fan of employee referral programs. And I think even for organizations that want to take this type of program to the next level, you can go beyond just the traditional, you know, incentivizing employees to recommend that somebody come in and apply for an opportunity. You can start to use social media and, and encouraging employees to, you know, share posts, like posts uh, from the company, uh, even things like Glassdoor, um, encouraging employees to post their own experiences, rating the company. These are all things that kind of contribute back to something like an employee referral program and, and can help your employer brand, you know, how you are perceived out in the marketplace to ultimately attract the best talent to your organization. Yeah. And I, I haven't looked at the data, but I could just, just from my own personal experience, I think you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's those that have been referred by another employee. They know what they're getting into before they walk in the door. And we found that when we do hire them, you're, you're right. It's, it's, not as common or as much as you want, but when you do hire them, they, they tend to last longer than the, than the average walk through the door employee. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think it was a, a wonderful presentation. 
are you presenting at MPA this year or are you, are you going to focus on the, on the booth? Yeah, not presenting this year. Um, and you're exactly right. Just p- putting all of our efforts towards, um, yes, exhibiting and, and just getting ready for that. <laughs> nice. Speaking of another uh, organization, that's how we originally met was the Green Parking Council. Of course, now it's Park Smart to the USGBC. But man, that, that, was, that was fun. I love the, the grassroots, organic kind of collaborative effort that the process was. You know, how early were you involved? Because you, I was pretty early on, but you were already part of a part of a committee. I think you were the chair and I worked for your committee, but I guess, how did you get involved and what were your memories of, of working with the Green Parking Council? Yeah, you know, I just, I really loved my experience with, with Green Parking Council and, and still feel that sense of camaraderie with folks like yourself and, and really everybody that was, was part of those early years of, of the Green Parking Council and, you know, building a program that has now evolved into ParkSmart with USGBC. But yeah, I was involved from fairly early on. I, I, I was approached by, by Mark Martin. They were basically looking for people to lead some of these different areas, uh, specifically for me, the credentialing and, and education committee. And I just really jumped at the, uh, the opportunity, um, ultimately ended up serving on the board as well and, and just really enjoyed that work. And, I, and for me, it was really, I was always, you know, really passionate about the environment, but it was really the first time that I saw a way that our industry could be part of the solution instead of, you know, really just part of the problem. And that was just, I just was so happy that somebody uh, had that idea to, to try to make sustainability a priority within our organization and, or within our industry. And, and I was just really happy to be able to be a part of it. Yeah, that was, I look back, that was some hard work, but that was pretty fun. And that reminds me, we, we wrote so much content and, and questions for credentialing exam, but we never went through with it. So what happened to that body of knowledge and all those questions? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the good news is, because you're right, we all did. We put a lot of time and effort into building a lot of um, learning materials that we, we thought would become the credentialing program within GPC. But what ended up happening is all of those materials that we developed uh, became the property of IPMI. And so the intro to sustainability course that is still available to this day within IPMI, that was formed uh, using content that, that our committee uh, created, as well as some of the other learning content that, that we've worked on in the education committee uh, within IPMI over the last few years. Well, wow, I got to add that to the resume. I did not know that uh, IPMI took that over. So you went to a school... What's, I can't remember. What school did you go to in college? Oh, well, of course, it's the Ohio State University. <laughs> <laughs> I, figured, I figured you'd be the one to add the the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the failed trademark, the, but some people know I'm a Michigan fan. We talked about this in the podcast, and so I have a feeling it's right around the corner. It's going to be oh for the last eight against Ohio State this year. <laughs> well, I'm afraid I would jinx us, so I, I'm I'm not ready to predict the outcome of that game. But you know, and and it's in the big house this year, so I uh, every year anything is possible. So, what did you study when you went there? <laughs> I actually studied psychology. I uh, I started out in school. I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian, and ultimately decided to go a different direction, and uh, ended up getting my degree in in psychology. I think for the parking industry, urban planning, business. And psychology. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> you're it dealing fits, with it's right? a people. It's a people business. Yeah. So those are great. Three great degrees for the parking profession. 
All right. And how can listeners learn more about the Marlin Group and spell it for us, please? All right. Yeah. Probably the easiest way would be to go to our website, which is marlingroupllc.com, M A R L Y N G R O U P L L C.com, or LinkedIn. Uh, we're, we're always out and about there as well. And I can tell from firsthand experience dealing with uh, these fine ladies over the years that you can't go wrong. Great, great people, great company, great culture, and they're going to do you right. So, Vicky, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. I had a blast. Have a great week. Yeah, you do the same, Isaiah. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of it. I really enjoyed our conversation. And as a podcast junkie, I'm, I'm, I just love what you're doing here. <laughs> I love it. Have a great night. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. The rest, as they say, it's his <laughs> Doorbell. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Definitely going to the outtakes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what, what kind of dogs do you have? I've got a, uh, a lab mix and a uh, Shih Tzu mix. A couple of, couple of mutts over here. <laughs> when I was in Columbus, I went to this, uh, this zoo, and it was the worst zoo I've ever went to. It, it, it had one animal. It was a Shih Tzu. <laughs> but up bump. <laughs> oh, that's bad. IPMI's call for awards is open until November 15, 2019. Now's the time to recognize your best people, projects, and programs. Visit parking-mobility.org for more information and to submit your nominations today.